Welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one big idea at a time. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet for me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Good to see you. You've survived the snow. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Lost a couple times. There's still little patches of it here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. Yeah. None here. Uh, but what we do have in abundance is some pretty geeky Bible talk ahead of us. Uh, and about a topic that is near and dear to our each of our stories, having spent some time in circles that get really into the Holy Spirit in a particular way. Mm. Yeah, true. Yeah, we both... Uh, we're in uh, Assembly of God circles specifically. So we've been around some Pentecostal energy. Um, so that's kind of what I'm bringing to this theme of like, what are the metaphors being used for the Holy Spirit uh, in the fourth gospel? Like, I've got this backlog yeah. of like weird Pentecostal energy in me. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, a mixed verdict. Yeah. Yeah, how is that yeah. for you? What um, this is interesting. I grew up with some charismatic exposure, but was not in a Pentecostal church until I went to a Pentecostal college. Oh, um, oh, the, wow! Some, okay, the Central University for the Assemblies of God there in their headquarters city of Springfield, Missouri, mm-hmm. um, Evangel University. So that was a uh, uh, immersion experience. Ah, I see what you did there. So, yeah. How, yeah. What's your background with it? Uh, I grew up in a charismatic church tradition, but only ever heard people speak in tongues twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it doesn't really happen much in like a youth group and I don't know, maybe it does in some circles, but, uh, oh, it didn't definitely for us. does in other circles. Yeah. yeah. I remember a, in like, fifth grade or something like that uh they brought all the separate like we were broken up into like by grade it was a big enough church Mm -hmm. and that's how we did it they brought everybody together to the like kids chapel and one of the adult pastors came in and like explained like how to raise your hands and worship a little bit and then like and here's Mm -hmm. what the whole and here's what speaking in tongues sounds like and then did that and uh i was like that was weird (laughs) i was like whatever tongues fine uh somatic expression of uh delight in god what yeah has its place but that way of getting introduced to it all was strange and then uh uh, so i generally associating the spirit with having a um either deeply convicted or elated experience of uh, emotive experience of of creator um so you know the spirit being poured out or filled or you know all these things tends to be with in musical settings and tends to Mm -hmm. lurch in one of those two directions yeah yeah it it sounds like you had a uh softer i don't know if that's the right word like it's missing some of the most intense elements that people from the Midwest maybe 
would have experienced. Like when, uh, when the spirit puts something on somebody's heart to tell somebody else, that kind of thing, or? Well, just like the meaning of it, even. Mm. Um, so Chrissy, my wife, growing up Assemblies of God in Minnesota, and like my roommate, the growing up in Springfield, Missouri, with his dad working at Evangelical University. Oh, man. Um, and, and other people that I knew there there was a very clear sense of if you haven't spoken in tongues, you're not of the same class of Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got that built into their theology. Yeah. It's the second work of the yeah. spirit. So there's like, there's two, what's called crisis moments. One is when you're not saved at all. And now you say the right prayer and then you are saved and going to heaven when you die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're not like really living into the full power of of God and being used for God's calling and purposes until you have this second before and after experience that is always 100% of the time evidenced by speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't do it the rest of your life, you at least have the initial have to do that one time, right? There's the phrase. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, That was weird. Uh, Yeah. And so like, these people who are near and dear to me having this experience of just trying to figure out like, why isn't this happening for me? Like Mm -hmm. I care, I want to, and then being told, well, there's sin in your life. There's something wrong with you that you're doing, you're doing bad things. And that's keeping God from doing this for you. Mm -hmm. You are now, you are now a deviator. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't know what it is, but there has to be, that's the only explanation. Yeah. Because God wants to do this for you. Yeah. No, that's not possible. So God wants to do this for you. So if it's not happening, it's your fault. Oh, my goodness. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So it is spirit language has left a uh, sour, at least partially soured uh, mark on both of our stories. Um, Mm -hmm. So... Why are we talking about it today? What is it that's distinct here in the fourth gospel? Like, what do you do with those words? Well, none of that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, those well, things aren't even talked well, about at all. But sort of none of that, John. There's that doesn't come from nothing. The stuff that they're teaching and totally. talking about, right? Yeah. There's there's reasons in scripture where they the seeds of that, that they build in what I am considering a really strange way, a really harmful way. Yeah. Um, And what that, what I am seeing here is the sense of very much like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, with cleansing is there's this sense of inauguration, a ribbing cutting ceremony, uh, a sense of there is now a purpose and calling that is going to be lived out yeah yeah yeah. the calling is not new but there's kind of a ceremonial element Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. now is the turning point of when it's going to start being put into action and just like the cleansing with water one of the things where we see that is jesus's baptism are we saying that jesus wasn't 
a good enough Christian before, which is a nonsense phrase anyway, a good enough Jew perhaps Uh before. And now that he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, because the the spirit came down like a dove, which even the like a dove, does that mean because doves come land on things or is it did it actually come in like a bodily form of a dove and that's not explicitly explained um either way spirit landed on jesus at his water baptism at the beginning of his ministry his teaching and healing and all the things that he did yeah publicly um so there is a before and after sense but it's it's not about being good enough or something. It's, it's, you've already had this calling and now it's time to start doing something about it. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. When you read the, the story, Jesus about, didn't speak in tongues. It at also the, didn't speak baptism. in tongues. Yeah. Uh, if anything, in those stories, taking, uh, God speaks in a way. God's lead. Jesus' lead. And yeah. 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 You hear the Father speak. People hear the Father speak, but some mistake it for thunder. Like mm-hmm. we're within range of these things. But yeah, in in the in the gospel stories, like the the um the words used to describe the, the spirit as well as um the kind of like narrative function of the spirit, like how does she contributes to the flow of the story is just different uh, and way more fun and interesting and well, liberating and healing uh, than um, the spirit as popularly held uh, in circles that we've been accustomed to. So um, let's, I'd, I'd love to start with the, the first translation shift you made. Uh, and that is <clears throat> with word spirit itself, the word, that we've conventionally mm-hmm. translated as spirit. Yeah. Why is that word not good enough, dude? Um, well, yeah, it's one, we use it like a name. Like it's, we have the father, we have Jesus and we have the spirit and it becomes just a name for one part of God instead of being translated as kind of like, what it is um we have in hebrew and greek and latin and probably other languages too but the word for spirit in those languages has this range of meanings that english has very distinct separate words for Uh, Mm -hmm. so wind spirit and breath and all of it has to do with a movement of air right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, except for maybe spirit um but i think not i I don't think that doesn't have to do with that because i think it's intricately tied with what how i've been translating it is life breath Mm -hmm. because it has to do with going back to even genesis 2 like god breathed into the the earth that god had formed and it became a living being, became the Adam, the human. Yeah, yeah. And there's the sense of that's the meaning of this. And it gets used with speech 
the the spirit of whatever uh the uh, uh, harmful spirit in in some of the gospels it talks about the sense of like when i speak my breath comes out and can be speaking truth it can be causing harm it can mm-hmm. be whatever um the there's this sense of it's coming from within me it's part of me it's sustaining me it's giving me life and that this is what we're talking about we're going to talk about the life breath of the capital l right like that that's god's breath coming into and moving in the world and animating and sustaining all of creation including each of us yeah 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 Mm. well why don't we bring this up on the screen okay yeah give us a survey of some of these passages of what is what does it look like with life breath instead of spirit yeah and these aren't every time it shows up but it's a good good cross-section of them so here's from chapter one um so i have seen this the life breath descending like a dove staying present on him meaning jesus um you sent me to submerge people in water and he will submerge people in the sacred life breath yeah and there's that sense of we'd like we talked about a couple weeks ago that submersion is this inaugural ceremony, the cleansing that's saying like a ribbing cutting ceremony. Right, right. And yeah, so you and- are being, in the, when you're submerged, baptized in the sacred life breath, it's the sense of you are being inaugurated into the way that leads to life, the the being given filled with this life and the, the word sacred there has to do with being designated for spiritual god related divine yeah. purposes right yeah that idea of ribbon cutting is so um help consequential here um mm-hmm. yeah a, a theme in this podcast has been has it wasn't a theme initially that we centered on in you began this translation project, but it really has emerged. And that is mm-hmm. learning how to trust the metaphors and stay curious about them. The, right. These cultures were much more comfortable with a certain playfulness with metaphors and mm-hmm. literary nods um, than often we bring to uh, their literature. Yeah, And so trusting that this breath imagery and immersion imagery is going to be found elsewhere. Uh, So the spirit broods over the deep of water from which, between which creation emerges. A space, an arena for life emerges out of the water, brooded over by the Holy Spirit. This connection between, excuse me, life Mm -hmm. breath, um, water, and life they're all tied together there then you look at uh the noah story where god's like i should genocide everything and (laughs) it's a it's a weird story um except a few people and animals uh what is what signals 
a ribbon cutting of this new creation that is emerging from the floodwaters, the spirit as a dove bringing mm -hmm. an olive branch of new life that is endured through the waters. So yeah, yeah, ribbon cutting is and spirit and water and life are all kind of a thing. Like the the chaos is behind us and mm -hmm. a space for belonging is ahead. Right. That is what yeah. the spirit often does at at its yeah. most literary literarily explored ways. Yep. And this submersing in or sprinkling on of various fluids, things that flow, oh. is all always representing covering with life. Mm -hmm. So whether it's water or blood or oil mm -hmm. or breath, mm -hmm. that's yeah. always what it's bringing to the table there. And that's something that you can, that traditions that only baptize um, adults around the time of their deciding to like their commitment to Christ or those who baptize um, infants as a welcome into the beloved community that they receive before they understand it, which is what is true of all of us for the record. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. In all of these ways, we can, we can still draw out and savor like the spirit is doing the same thing. Like this is the ribbon cutting for the baby and the new, the new human um, freshly embracing divine life in this right. Jesus way. Yep. That is to say, becoming a Christian. <laughs> if we have to use yeah. the which is maybe not a before and after kind of thing. Maybe it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Becoming more and more a little Christ. Mm -hmm. We're all Christ word. Because yeah. well, the Christ next... is human word. Right. Yeah. Uh, the next section I have up here on the screen is from chapter three during Jesus' uh, conversation with Nicodemus right before the 316 um it's where a lot of people point to, to talk about being born again um we're talking about again this this juxtaposition this pairing of water and life breath unless someone is brought into being from water and from life breath they aren't able to start participating in god's brain oh man the wind blows same word as for life breath is wind pneuma the wind blows where it wants and you hear its sound, but you don't see where it comes from and where it is going. That's how it is with everyone who has been brought into being by the life breath. Hmm. There is the sense of being brought into being, being made to have life. Yes. Yes. And I mean, we literally, without breath, we are not life. <laughs> right. Like, it's a very bodily word like spirit mm -hmm. is so easily because particularly of paul and greek thought and other other things um mm -hmm. american christians typically contrast spirit as immaterial with flesh or earth or world as material and it's kind of a good bad it's a not just a distinction it's a dualism it's a tension 
So spirit mm-hmm. language is often held in tension with the goodness of creation. Um, right. It's like in spite of our bodies. When this metaphor of breath that is what the original authors are using and you're just like, well, let's try what they said, th- what they actually said. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's It's carnal in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's a tradition that we have, we, many people have heard the word Yahweh mm-hmm. as the name of God. Um, yes. That's not probably how it was pronounced originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a tradition that says, like, we've added the vowels in, and that's true of all Hebrew words. Like, there's only consonants in Hebrew originally, and little vowel markings were added later to help with pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a tradition that says that not only was there not written vowels in the name of God, that there wasn't, there weren't spoken vowels either. And you, it was like an unpronounceable name. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is just, if you have Y-H-W-H, those are just breath sounds. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And it's like the mm. very mm-hmm. name of God itself is the breath. It like disrupts our language. Like if you're mm-hmm. going to address or name the divine, it is to breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah so and chalk it up to another reason to like yeah we don't have to stop saying spirit but we should learn how to trust the metaphor that was being used at the time yeah and notice too that even though english word spirit has to do with breath we talk about inspiration it like was this an idea of something that come alive was breathed into us we talk about expire expiration is breathing out Mm -hmm. if i have expired i've died that means i've breathed out for a final time yeah he breathed Uh, his last he spirited his last expiration is spiriting repeatedly wait what's perspiration Uh, skin breathing through porously, I guess. I don't I know. <laughs> but it's um, an unsettling image. Yeah. Yeah. Exfoliate I don't know about that people. one. But, but all of these words <laughs> include the idea of breath and the spirit. Yeah. So spirit in English comes from a word for, comes from the Latin word for, for spirit, for breath. Um, yeah. But we just have so because english is from so many different sources i'm sure breath probably comes from a germanic root or something i don't actually know whereas spirit comes from the latin root and then we forget that they're the same idea mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, so later in chapter three here this is for the next thing it's a similar idea god said and to speak again that as i speak my breath comes from my body. God sent him to speak him being Jesus. Uh, what comes from the mouth of God, because he doesn't give the life breath from an attitude of moderation, instead it's lavishly given. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not about gatekeeping. The life breath is is given out willy nilly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father loves the son and attended him everything. So the one who places their trust in the son has age long what life. Christ gives the life breath without moderation, so that everything has access to mm. life. Those who refuse to participate, to be persuaded that that, that the son's way of, of being is the way to go, won't see life. Yeah. But that's because they're rejecting it, not because it isn't being given to them. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. So there's a distinct, there's a difference between a, a breath becomes a sound like but it only becomes a word when it's heard <laughs> in some ways. So the breath, mm-hmm. the life breath becomes the word the when perhaps. it's in conversation. Yeah. There it is. To loop back mm-hmm. to uh, episode two of this season in the beginning was yeah. the conversation. And the conversation was light and life. If they refuse to participate in the conversation, they won't see life. <sighs> Oh, crap. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I like the Bible. Yeah, it's kind of cool sometimes. Usually. Um, yeah, so next one from chapter seven. Again, we have water and life breath paired here and life becoming. Mm. So if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink, which sounds a lot like Samaritan woman as well that conversation even though this is not from that chapter yeah Uh, whoever places their trust in me just like the scripture says rivers of living water will flow from their belly why the belly because it's explains here he said this about the life breath so the living water is coming from the belly where you're breathing from deep within your belly that resonant place that diaphragm Mm. breathing out life to provide life for the people around you too Mm -hmm. Um, so whoever placed their trust in him are going to receive the life breath great yeah Ooh, ooh, this next one's good yeah and all the way toward the at the end of the book now second to last chapter chapter 20 i'll read this one in its full entirety and then we can talk about it then jesus said again Peace be with you. Just like the Father has sent me, I am sending you too. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, again, that's the same word, it's the verb form of spirit there. He breathed on them and said, receive the sacred life breath. Whenever you dismiss anyone's deviations, they are dismissed for them. Whenever you hold on to them, held on to. Oh, man. Yeah, it acknowledges the wordplay there. He spirit to go with the traditional translation of the divine, it would be he spirited on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in this case, mm-hmm. you're saying he breathed on them and said, receive the sacred life breath. Mm-hmm. And it's about that inauguration. It's about the sending. I'm sending you. So now you get the life breath. Just like I was sent back at my baptism and I got the life breath. Now it's your turn. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it's, it's got this, uh, Genesis two energy where, uh, in the second telling of the second Hebrew telling of the creation of humans, uh, the divine gets down to the earth and squishes the soil together into the shape of an earth creature and then breathes into it. It's this like very intimate picture. Doing some CPR, right? Yeah. It spirits into the soil and and humanity emerges at that intersection. This androgyne earth creature, this atom. Man. <clears throat> and then looking at this, like whenever you dismiss anyone's deviations, they are dismissed for them. Whenever you hold on to them, they are held on to. And the usual translation is something along the lines of whenever you forgive someone's sins, they are forgiven. And whenever you hold on to them, they are held on to. Interesting. It, uh, you know, that for those who haven't caught this in other episodes um, or seasons, deviations is the word you're using um, for hamartia, right? Which is... Right. Uh, Conventionally translated, translated as sin, sin which yeah. is this like religious technical term, which, so am I remembering correctly that at least in, like when we were going through Matthew, you were making these observations that, um, when people are called sinners or deviators in your vernacular, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't because of something that they, it was often not something that they did. They didn't like, they weren't in bad standing with God. Yeah. 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 They were, sometimes they were a deviator, a sinner because they were menstruating or a, or disabled or mm -hmm. not, not Jewish. Jewish. Yeah. 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 Um, this is not like this idea of sin as that, that which separates you from God was mm -hmm. often used in Jesus's own out of Jesus's own mouth to be about people who are separated from a certain sense of holy belonging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it is not also used of people who are deviating from Torah by harming people, or that is yeah. also used that way. Yeah, um, but especially like. Some really clear examples are the entirety of Matthew 8 and 9. There's like several different stories back to back in there, all of which are not people who have been misbehaving, someone who's paralyzed, someone who's a Gentile, someone who has a 12-year uterine hemorrhage, someone who died. Um, and Jesus heals them. We all them. die and become sinners. Great. <laughs> yeah. Because death is associated with deviation from torah yeah and and so jesus explicitly tells the paralyzed person i'm letting go of the fact that this is not in line with torah like yeah. people who have medical issues are, are are not in line with this vision of like everything being good and well and healthy and life-giving not because they're bad people, not because they've made bad decisions even, just because it's, this is suffering. Mm -hmm. This sucks. Mm -hmm. And because there wasn't 
germ theory and all this other stuff like they just quarantined everybody just in case yeah the original social separate yeah. to protect the community right but yeah. jesus is saying i i'm not gonna care that you're paralyzed i'm gonna heal you and tell you that your deviations don't matter there i'm letting him go mm-hmm. and then the religious leaders were just like f that how how dare you <laughs> this matters and Jesus yeah. is like you're no you're missing the point yeah he's oh so when he's forgiving sins mm-hmm. uh, and again and the wording is forgiving the sins not forgiving the sinner the scripture always words it that way really yeah oh shit what a yeah it's um dismissing that which is holding you back from belonging it's not what separates you from god it's what separates you from one another which is where god is headed is beloved community in creation so uh here in john um receive the sacred life breath whenever you dismiss what separates others from each other Mm-hmm. they are dismissed from them whenever yep. you hold those, on to them they are held on are to dismissed yeah. yeah like the the holy belonging of god's church in the world is as big as we will let the spirit make it the mm-hmm. life breath would like to is poured out on all flesh and when we recognize that it's like the spirit's work is helping us overcome these boundaries so every season i have to quote willie james Jennings amazing scholar who says yes. that the church the church is um oh gosh it's participate uh we who participating in the triune life of god out of israel's story become a publicly boundary transgressing kinship network a publicly boundary transgressing kinship network so if you want to like receive the spirit of the father that makes you part of the conversation participating in the sake in the triune life dismissing deviations is publicly overcoming those boundaries of holy belonging mm-hmm. um whether it's um well the easy ones would be cross-cultural language barriers age barriers uh, i think in our day we're steadily being confronted with the consequences of um heteronormative um ethics mm-hmm. and belonging so yep. like if you want to like the implications of receiving the sacred life breath welcome queer folk trans people belong to as trans beloved of god right like to overcome yeah. these alienations among us is to forgive sins that's not it's not talking about if you tell people that they're forgiven then god now will you know they'll be saved when they die or whatever like it's a weird thing in the conventional notion of what sin and forgiveness is and salvation Mm -hmm. is we don't know what to do with this passage it's like so being saved has just to do with the church saying you're saved not with saying the sinner's prayer that's confusing to the conventional paradigm Mm -hmm. here it's like beyond the work of being god's people 
Right. Yeah. It's, it's saying like you who have already received a public endorsement of belonging yes. that you now are being given tasked with passing on that endorsement of belonging. Yes. If you stop holding people's ways that they are different and are on the other side of some boundary against them, then you're doing your job. You're letting them in. <laughs> if you refuse to do that, then you didn't let them in. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> you're, you're failing in your task. Yeah, yeah. It's your fault if their sins are still being held against them, if their ways that they're different are still being held against them, because it, this is up to you to be, like, welcome them in or not. Their sins are on you. In a sense. Oh my. Not 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 the behaviors, not, but whether they're being held against them yeah. and excluding them from belonging or not. Yes. Yeah. We aren't born with a sin nature, but we sure as hell give assign it to one another. Yeah. Which is a great transition into the next piece of what we want to talk about. All right. Yeah, so that's the first First metaphor translation thing is from spirit to life breath. And here we have, what do we have? Uh, we have another word being thrown in, uh, the Greek parakletos, some, uh, you know, in the theology world, paraclete in English. But literally it means something like advocate. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be used in, in a couple of different senses one the more general someone who comes beside you in solidarity to help you through whatever challenge you're trying to overcome um, and that's totally appropriate in this context but it's also used more specifically in a court setting of essentially like the defense attorney yeah Um, and so the defense attorney is the direct counterpoint to this other word that we're really familiar with, uh, two other words that kind of go hand in hand oh, man. of adversary, the prosecuting attorney, traditionally rendered as Satan, or the false accuser, the one who's bringing false charges against someone. Mm traditionally rendered as devil. Uh -huh. And we'll get to more of those connections here, but I think those connections are essential to understanding what this is talking about. Yeah, there are oh. some pretty good implications there. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. So he's, you know, Jesus says, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to be with you throughout the age, which is the life breath of truth. So pair that the, the life breath that speaks truth is the one defending you against accusations against false accusations like the mirror there is right. really clean like right false accuser advocate of true truth. defender true defender yep. yeah yeah well 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 
you know, the, the, the whole idea of like advocate and the courtroom setting here, the courtroom metaphor is between, um, these accusatory deceptive energies in the world and the, the, um, advocate that speaks mm-hmm. truth. The flavors of Christianity I swam in for a long time tended to use the courtroom image of it's God is judging you and accusing you and defending you. Mm-hmm. God and is very the courtroom, confused. The, the, yeah. Yeah. You're on trial for whether you can go to heaven or not, or whether you should go to hell. And so the right. advocate is there like, it's God pleading with God to welcome you in, in spite of you mm-hmm. to embrace a lie or something like that. Some sort of legal fiction where even in, in some schemes, it's like, God doesn't welcome you. God welcomes Jesus in your place because of the, it's so effing absurd and makes God into an idiot and a liar. Oh. Um, like a freaking moron. <laughs> like, or maybe just mentally ill. It's yeah, just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 like the the you know. Meanwhile, in this courtroom scene of God being against God and us being in a really weird place, the devil's greatest trick is getting us to believe it doesn't exist. Because right here, it does. the The clear literary parallel is between spirit advocate and um diabolical lying accuser shame mm-hmm. sprayer you know yeah yeah and it doesn't mention the false accuser as the devil or as satan explicitly in these chapters mm-hmm. what it does mention is the world system okay show sure. which are always in partnership mm. so Oh yeah, the the three part way of understanding what mm-hmm. spirals the system the world into the void is, is the world, the devil, and the flesh. Right. Old parlance. Yeah. But again, is it the who's assigning the spirit to defend us, to advocate for us, to be alongside us and help us? I will send it to you. Send her to you from. The father, the father is not accusing us. The father is sharing the spirit, the, oh, it says spirit here. I made a mistake. The life breath of truth. Ah. Command Um, search for that. Yeah. To advocate for us. And part of how she does that is by telling about Jesus. But she also tells about you because you've been transformed by being with me from the beginning. Oh, cool. And the spirit. Um, oh, man. Is the next verse the one about uh, convicting the world? Yeah. Is yeah. This? Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. Let's look at that. However, I'm telling you the truth. It's helpful to you that I go away because if I didn't go away, the advocate wouldn't come to you. But if I leave, I will send her to you. 
When that one comes, she will provide proof against the world's system about deviation and living judgment and assessment. And then kind of explains that a little bit about deviation, certainly because they don't trust me, but also about living justly because I'm leaving to the father and you aren't going to see me anymore. And also about assessment because the leader of this world system has been assessed. Or in popular translation, judged. Judged, right. Yeah, so the leader of this world system isn't named explicitly. We could we could be talking about the false accuser, the adversary, the Satan, mm -hmm. or we could talk about Caesar. In the more local, it could be the chief priests. Like who, you know, there's a lot of ways you could take this. Yeah. Um, but it's the the world accuses us. God. And the life breath defend us and there that's where the tension is not between us and god but between god and the world system yes yeah and so the the spirit is or the advocate is defending us from these dehumanizing systems of vanity monstrosity violence and empire mm -hmm. and alienation so yeah. if the world system of capitalism is saying your worth is what you contribute to financially that helps the ownership class get richer or just your work, that's an accusation that the spirit is an advocate against you for. If it's right. you are only worth something as a woman if you can bear children, the advocate is there to call bullshit on that and celebrate your worth as a woman mm -hmm. without kids. If it's um, anybody who isn't straight or cisgender is a dirty sinner, the advocate is there to say, forget all that patriarchy, dude. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and uh, homophobia. Like the advocate is there to say you are made in the image of God and belong. And it's and it and in doing so, that is convicting the world of sin. That is placing deviate deviators deviation status on the bullshit games of world systems, not on right. you. Our sin is not transferred onto Jesus, it is transferred onto the domination systems. Yeah, because the domination systems attack us and Jesus. Jesus is willing to accept that being our advocate, standing alongside us in that suffering and oppression. Mm -hmm. But it's... So Jesus receives deviation from the world system. Yeah. But in all of that, it's the world system that is taking on the deviation in the sense of doing it. May it be so with us. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what, what a shift this is from like, usually it's um, with, with this like convicting the world of sin, world means non-Christians and therefore mm -hmm. convicting the world of sin is when you're feeling guilty that's this <laughs> or something like that that's 
what the spirit is doing. The advocate, the your public defender is somehow like convicting you of sin status, your separation from God, rather than saying that which separates us from one another is wiped off of this person. Mm -hmm. Man, we get it backwards. I mean, that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like is confusing the work of the devil and the spirits, accusing the spirit of being some sort of. Yeah. And as going back to John Tony, that, that sense of we are refusing to dismiss people's deviations and are refusing to allow them to belong. Oh man. Because we are not listening to the advocate. There's a book just in this whole paradigm here. There's a mm -hmm. whole book on this. Man, that's good. Hmm. Anything else? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know we had, I, lost you know, I have a highlight on the screen here that she will not speak by oh, herself, yeah. which is something new. I don't know if we want to spend much time on that right now or not it's a it's a really easy you gave such a concise explanation of why sure. why you gendered or acknowledge the gender of yeah the spirit is including femininity yeah okay yeah i can go through it pretty quick there's a huge difference between like i'm going to use a big technical term here ontological gender like the gender that has to do with inherently what i am or what anything is mm -hmm. um, versus grammar, which is hard for English speakers to grasp because English doesn't do that. We have everything is neuter except the things that are inherently masculine or feminine. Yeah. Uh, but like, I don't know about most, many other languages have a grammatical gender. Um, like all Spanish the is a really, yeah. really easy example of that. La mesa, somehow tables are feminine and there is no it in, in Spanish. It's either el, he, or ella, she. So if you talk about, I, I set the, ta uh, you know, I'm getting the table ready. I set it with the plates. I would say ella for it there, she. Um, it just doesn't exist. There's no other alternative. Same in Hebrew. There is no neuter mm. in Hebrew. There is no it in Hebrew. It's either he or she. So you get God is masculine. That has nothing to do with the fact that God is inherently masculine. It's just the, the grammatically masculine word in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And in Hebrew, ruach, spirit, breath is feminine. So if we're going to default to anything, that's not just neuter there, it would be a feminine default. That mm -hmm. the Hebraic understanding of spirit would be feminine. It would be perfectly acceptable too, because we're it's about grammar and not about ontology. Right. Right. But interestingly, Greek has three: masculine, feminine, and neuter. Mm-hmm. The word spirit is a neuter word. Pneuma, life breath, is a neuter word in Greek. But advocate 
is a masculine, grammatically masculine word. And so other translations will go neuter, it, 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 anytime panuma, life, breath, spirit comes up. And then all of a sudden it starts talking about he and himself when it's here saying that the spirit is our advocate. Because the Greek does match yes. the masculine form of the pronoun with advocate, because that's how the grammar works. But it's not suddenly saying that the spirit is masculine. Yeah ontologically so if they can make it masculine i can make it feminine to match the hebraic historical context here mm. yeah any art any argument that tries to sort of chisel in heart to hardwire gender into god based on grammatical gender is missing the point like properly yeah paraclete as or um excuse me panuma life breath as neuter like saying it also feels like that that's actually you you would be faithful to the greek but unfaithful to the intent by translating um life breath pronouns as it like if anything a personal, not necessarily neuter, but um, pan non-binary gendering would be they them. The proper pronouns for the life breath is they them in in, in English, mm -hmm. right? And that would be the most English faithful to what we're now. actually talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, you because you're going from that language world to ours. There is no. To be faithful to the Greek will always be like risk unfaithfulness to what we're actually talking about. You can do a word for word right. translation, but making things worse. Right. So you're being faithful to the text by being, um, by deviating from the grammar. Mm -hmm. That doesn't play elegantly at a um from some pulpits but man it just makes common sense like anybody who's like yeah yeah in yeah. the english-speaking world i'm not going to win any awards from the evangelical theological society but i don't care yeah <laughs> that's okay um wow this has been a really stimulating episode i'm going to be like swirling this around in my glass for a while thank you so much for um, insights on this passage um, i thank you all these passages and thank you all for your company on this leg of the journey the easiest way to support founding translation is to leave us a rating or review on whatever app or website you've been enjoying this on particularly apple podcasts and youtube that both makes it easier for more people to find the show. The second best way to support the show is to become a sponsor, which you can do for just five bucks a month. When you do that, you get comment access on the translations Google Doc and the satisfaction that you're supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook and Kalapuya land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody.